0: Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, welcome back to our series that we call Contentment in the Crisis. And today I've titled my sermon, Walk This Way. For you rock and rollers, just get that out of your head right now. We're (laughs) We're in church. What are you thinking? Um... Make your way uh, over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Once a spider built a beautiful web in an old house. He kept it clean and shiny so that flies would patronize it. The minute he got a customer, he would clean up on him so that the other flies would not get suspicious that were in the room. Then one day, this fairly intelligent fly came buzzing by the clean spider web. Old man spider called out, come in and sit with me. This is a true story, by the way. Um, But the fairly intelligent fly said, no, sir, I don't see other flies in your house, and I'm not going in there alone. But presently, he saw on the floor below a large crowd of flies dancing around on a piece of brown paper. He was delighted. He was not afraid because lots of flies were doing it. So he came in for a landing. But just before he landed, a bee zoomed by saying, don't land there, dummy, that's flypaper. But the fairly intelligent fly shouted back, don't be silly, those flies are dancing. There's a big crowd there, everybody's doing it, and they're having a blast. That many flies can't be wrong. Well, you know what happened. He died trying to tear himself from the flypaper. Our human nature wants to be with the crowd, and and, and we want to be with those and end up following sometimes the wrong people and the wrong crowd. What does it profit a person if he escapes the web only to end up in the glue? (laughs) Think about that for a second. The Apostle Paul in our passage today gives us a warning that is great to follow just as long as the person that you're following and modeling is following Jesus Christ. Let's begin by reading the opening of our passage. We're in uh, Philippians 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, but every time I read this, I kind of cringe just a little bit. I mean, Paul sounds a little arrogant here, doesn't he? Follow me. I think for a moment of making this statement about myself, and I assume that you'd have to be living a near perfect life in order to make that statement. But Paul isn't saying he's perfect. We've already dealt with that two weeks ago. He wasn't claiming to be perfect. He's simply saying this. In the Greek, it sounds more like this. I'm walking towards Christ. I'm in the process of becoming more and more like him. So exercise your faith. Don't look backwards. We talked about that last week. Look forwards and come with me on this journey. Paul now gives us the two possible reward programs regarding the choice we make during this life, how we're going to walk. Paul says, walk this way. And the world shouts very loudly, no, walk this way. Let's look at them first. If you take notes, and I encourage you to do so, on the back of your bulletin, you can take notes. Number one is this, the reward of the world. We're going to see the reward of the world. Verse 18, how many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. As Paul wrote this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wept as he held the pen to paper. He, he was weeping when he thought about these people around him that had rejected the cross of Christ, and not only rejected it, but actually went after the cross of Christ so that others would not follow it. They're enemies of the cross. These would include the people that he began, he began to talk about in Philippians early on. These are the wolves and the dogs as well. The false teachers that were trying to urge or lure young in the faith followers of Christ away from the precepts they had just discovered in order that they would follow the false teachers. They were trying to lure them away from biblical teaching biblical truth biblical precepts this is why we must remain on guard for false teachers and strange doctrines that are already arriving here in Idaho even I thought Idaho would be the one place they wouldn't arrive in but the strange doctrines are making their way here as well they're seeping into the churches right here in Idaho Paul is talking about people who, unless they find repentance and turn to God through Christ, they're going to spend an eternity away from God, separated in a place of pain. Paul could have been angry and resentful towards these people. He's talking about false teachers. He's even talking about some who have tried to harm him physically and reputationally. Included in this group would be the ones referenced back in chapter 1 who have so much animosity for the apostle that they want to be able to cause him distress while he's imprisoned and helpless and alone. But Paul doesn't react the way that we might think he does. These enemies of the cross of Christ, which he preaches exclusively, he weeps for them. Interesting. Interesting. Listen, the unsaved of the world are not our enemies. They've been caught up by the evil one, Satan himself, and but for the grace of God, any one of us could be in their shoes right now. What they need, they need Jesus. They need our prayers. They need the truth, and they need our love. They need to see Jesus. Jesus, preaching his Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew 5, says this, You have heard it said that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? That's kind of expected of you, Jesus says. And when Jesus said that you may be the sons of your father in heaven, he wasn't teaching that, the act, that this act of praying for and loving your enemies is going to get you into heaven. We can't work our way there. We know that. He was teaching that in doing this, you will resemble your father. You'll resemble Jesus. He was teaching that, his, that what his father said, what Jesus said, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that goes across the board, even to the false teachers. Even the false teacher, if he becomes repentant, he will be saved by grace through faith. But until that day, they're being used by Satan to carry out his bidding and we must not give them a foothold in our churches or our lives for they seek it to deceive even those who were already saved if possible, Paul wrote. So letter A in our notes is this, these enemies of the cross are headed towards hell. The Bible tells us what the reward is to those who've rejected and twisted the gospel. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1.9, he says this, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. They will never get to see heaven. They'll never get to be in the presence of Jesus in heaven. They'll never get to experience the glory of the Lord. And I think sometimes I imagine what hell is like. We all kind of tend to think it's a place on fire, and that's true. We're told there's a lake of fire. But even more, I think, tormenting I imagine that maybe in hell that you can see just over a far-off mountain or crest. Maybe you see this, this glory of Jesus' power and understand for all eternity that you'll never get to be there. I think that's tor- that would torment me enough. When preachers, teachers, or leaders teach a gospel that is void of this repentance we talked about or they teach this prosperity gospel, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're teaching something that's not true. That, that, that grace is something that you have to earn that salvation is through good works and they're in jeopardy of eternal judgment Paul says these enemies of the cross are headed towards hell and here's letter B in our notes their God is their appetite for sin verse 19 Though, who, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame And I shudder to think of who I was before Christ and how I gloried in my shame sometimes as ignorant until someone came and shared the gospel with me. I grew up in church. You think I should know better, but I didn't. It's easy to imagine that these priority, their priority in life is feeding on their own fleshly sinful appetite. They feast on sin and they glory in it. These false teachers only want to become more powerful, more rich, and more famous. You see these uh, false teachers on TV late at night often. It's probably because they can't sleep because of their conscience. You see some of these obvious ones at late night television. Maybe it's because of their conscience they can't sleep, but you can actually spot them. They're selling holy water, prayer rags, and special anointing healing oil to heal you of what ails. And it just makes me cringe when i trip across one of these guys all for a price of course they're going to sell this to you they're pleading with you to send in some seed money they call it just send in 29.99 right now to show god how serious you are get out your credit card here's the number on your screen dial the phone don't fall for this pitch god's favor grace and mercy it can't be bought and it can't be sold it's not for sale It's freely given to everyone who accepts God's forgiveness purchased on a cross by Jesus Christ. He bled and died for you, and it's not going to cost you a thing. You just reach out and accept the gift. You just reach out and take it. It's yours for free. Don't get caught up in these fear mongers on television or otherwise. It's freely given to everyone. These people have three or four mansions and jets These enemies of the cross are headed towards hell. B, their God is their appetite for sin and fame and fortune. And C, they focus on worldly things. Their attention is on worldly things. Continuing on in verse 19, who set their mind on earthly things. Paul writes it out very clearly to us. The limit of these people's vision of the world and their life is the horizon of self-pleasure. They can't see beyond what they want. They can't see beyond the things of, they want sex, money, power, fame, fortune, all these things. That's all they can see. Their horizon ends right there. Their total net worth is derived from worldly assets. Therefore, in the end, they along with this planet are going to perish. They will be destroyed along with everything they've, they've sought to, to, to gather together. The sum of their works will be utter destruction and eternal torment, Paul says. Paul brings this simmer now to a boil over in Colossians 3 where he writes, if then you were raised with Christ, born again, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. There's a greater horizon, Paul says, we're, we're not to get focused on, on these earthly things. We get knotted up about these earthly things sometimes, and it robs our joy. Paul's saying, don't do that, for you died. Remember, we've been talking about dying to ourselves. You died, and your life is hidden in Christ with God. You don't live now. Christ, uh, Paul says, I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, when Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory one day i tell you the trumpets are going to blast are going to blast loudly only believers are going to hear this i believe and we're going to look up and the clouds are going to part and there's jesus and he's going to call us up and we will appear with him those that have given their life to christ if you've surrendered your life to Christ then you're gonna see this, you're gonna be caught up with him in the clouds, it says, and you're gonna be with him forevermore. We're going to uh, appear, when, when, when he appears, we're gonna see him and we're gonna be with him in his glory. Verse five, therefore, because of this, put to death your members, see the, the death doesn't belong in your body now. Put to death that sin and those things that so easily put us off course. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Here they are. Here's a list. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put away all of this stuff. As a believer in Christ, it doesn't belong in your life anymore. Put it away. Put it to death. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. These things are what's going to lead people to to hell. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. When I glance at my rearview mirror, there are things I wished I could go back and change. You can't. I know you feel the same way. I'm not alone in here. Some of these things I've numbered in my life. But Paul says, put them to death now because we ought not have him in our life. We ought not coddle him anymore. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, this putting off and putting on is interesting. You see, we were born with a sin nature. So picture this garment that we're talking about, this garment of sin. You were born with it. And over time, you just learn to live with it. But at some point, you intersected the gospel. And here's what happened in what I call this glorious exchange. The glorious exchange is this. I have this sinful garment, and I'm wearing it. I can't take it off. I'm headed for hell. I'm headed for judgment. God is going to judge me because I'm full of sin. And I'm helpless to change that. Then Jesus Christ, God sent his son down to the cross. He paid for that sin that I, that I bore, that, I, that I, I wore around with me. And here's what he did. On the cross, he took that my robe of righteousness and he put it on. He bore our sins and he died and bled for our sins. But he takes his righteous robe off, this perfect, pure and white robe, the sinless nature, and he put it on us. That's the glorious exchange that happens. We have nothing to do with that except to receive it. Jesus did all the work. My forever family, our, our behavior will always be determined by what we believe. And what we believe will always determine our behavior. It's important to understand what the word is saying here. It's important what you believe. What you believe it affects everything in your life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. No matter the label of clothing that you wear, no matter the title you put on your business card, it doesn't matter how many floors in the office building you've climbed, if your mind is set on earthly things, by that I mean you're thinking uh, of your desires, your passions, your interests, your trust, your, la- your past life, your behavior will always reveal your true identity. That's why it's so important to put on Christ every day. So how do we do this? How do we put on that robe of righteousness? Now, we wear it, but how do, we, how do we live into that robe of righteousness that's given to us? It's very simple. You begin as a student does by being taught the foundational principles in God's word. You begin to practice those, those principles. You begin to actually live out what the Bible says. What good is it if we know about something but we don't put it into practice here's how you do that I would tell you this if you want to grow you maybe you've just come to Christ or maybe you've come to Christ 10 years ago but you're not seeing change in your life let me tell you this if you haven't been discipled that's the next step I would do two things if you haven't been baptized I would get baptized as soon as possible today a lady is in here I won't identify her but she's going in for, for surgery. She's going in for cancer surgery. It's critical. We prayed for her before our service, laid hands on her, asked God for, for his favor. But you know what? She said, I, I don't want to see Jesus. you know, you know I, I have to get baptized before I go into this, this situation. Before I go to the hospital, I want to take care of this. And she did. She wisely took care of that. Here's the next step. If you've been baptized, then the next thing is you've got to be discipled. Here's the thing, you don't know, you know what you've received. If you, if you don't understand the words, walk with someone for a while. I talk about this sometimes, the analogy of Disneyland, of walking in, you've, you've accepted Christ, you've got your ticket, you've got a pass, it's all access, you can go anywhere in Disneyland, but you got this pass and you walk through the gate and you know how in Disneyland, there's that little place there that um, you can see the train go by and there's two big tunnels, there's one on either side but and, and they have places to sit and it's made of asphalt and you can see Mickey Mouse up on the hill here. If you sit down right there, and that's your understanding of Disneyland, I'd feel like I got ripped off. This is it? $192,000 to get into Disneyland? (laughs) And this is it? Are you kidding me? And then someone comes along and says, why are you sitting here? I know, I paid all this money and this is it. No, come with me. Paul says, walk with me. Come with me, I'm going this way. We're going to walk through this tunnel and your eyes are going to be opened up like they never were before. And then all of a sudden you walk out on the main street and you go, woo man, this is Disneyland. This is awesome. See, that's the difference. So many people come to Christ and then they walk in, in, into the, the faith, but they don't understand really what this includes. Verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Note to self, these people Paul refers to are not simply lost people that haven't come to salvation, although they are included. These are the enemies of the cross of Christ that seek the destruction of the truth. People who violently oppose all things Christian, they oppose the Bible. These, these are the, this is the uh, offspring of the generation that pulled the Bible out of government, that pulled the Bible out of schools. They're opposed to Christian morals and ethics. They're opposed to the family. They're opposed to God himself and the ransom that was paid even for them. The bottom line for their hatred and rejection of God is this. They will not be ruled. They will not be ruled. For the evidence is all around them that God exists. But in their hearts and in their minds, they will not be ruled. I'll rule my own life. I'll live it the way I want to live it. Don't tell me what to do. The bottom line for their hatred and rejection of God is self-rule. And the great white throne of judgment Their fate will already be sealed if they don't change their mind. And our response to these blinded souls hasn't changed. Jesus says, pray for them, love them, but speak truth and stand up. For we are not to judge. That's God's job. We pray, we tell them the truth, and we love them so that they might see Jesus in us. Two reward programs. First, we saw the reward of the world that Paul talked about. Now we're going to see the reward of the redeemed, number two. The reward of the redeemed. Verse 20. For our citizenship, those who reject the world and follow Christ have a citizenship. For our citizenship, it's not the world, is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Listen, Jesus is coming back to subdue all things to himself. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit restoredcommunitychurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to his word.